Hey, this is David Pakman inviting you to enjoy a classic episode of The David Pakman Show today. We will return with new shows before you know it. The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. It's great to be back from the Thanksgiving holiday here in the United States. Uh, I didn't do much. I will talk about it on the bonus show. And the reason I didn't do much is with vaccines for coronavirus so close. Why would I do anything at this crucial time with light at the end of the tunnel to make the spread potentially even worse? And unfortunately, it looks like it's going to get really, really bad. We don't yet have the numbers that will tell us the impact of the Thanksgiving travel reportedly almost as many people as in a normal year, a non pandemic year flying around for Thanksgiving. We won't know the impact of that. Um, in terms of cases for a couple of weeks and in terms of deaths for a couple of more weeks beyond that because of the timeline of these spike and super spreader events. But even without the numbers that will be caused by Thanksgiving travel and gatherings, the United States coronavirus pandemic is completely out of control. And Donald Trump insisted in the run up to the election that it was all political. After the election, you're not going to hear anything else about the virus. November 4th, everything opens, schools, open, everything, everything, everything opens. Obviously, this has not happened. And the opposite is actually the truth. In terms of cases per capita, the United States has risen to sixth most cases per capita in the world, excluding a couple of really tiny countries and territories, places like Andorra, which kind of throw off the data. Similarly, when it comes to deaths using that same standard, the United States has the seventh highest rate of deaths per capita in the world. These are horrifying numbers. Now, in terms of cases and deaths in the U.S., the U.S. now has roughly 13.7 million known cases and 273,000 known deaths. The numbers for both could be 30 or even 50 percent higher, as we've previously described. Remember, Trump said 15 cases will soon be zero. Nobody here has died. We might have 50,000 deaths, maybe, but probably not. And on and on and on. We are at 273,000. Nothing is being done at this point in time. Now, recall that we had a spike in April to about 32,000 cases per day. And at the time, it looked like a big spike, and then they dipped back down. And then we had a second spike in July that doubled that up to about 70,000 cases per day. And it seemed crazy. And they started to decline. But Dr. Fauci said, if we are not careful, we will get beyond 100,000 cases per day in the fall. And half the country didn't believe Dr. Anthony Fauci. And looking at the chart of those cases, those initial spikes now look like mere molehills compared to the current numbers where we saw as many as 178,000 cases in a single day a few days ago. Now, over the last few days, because of the holiday, combined with weekend uh, uh, reporting, which tends to be lower, we see a, a bit of a dip. We expect to see those numbers caught up on in the next few days. And of course, 
it's not just cases. It's also deaths, deaths spiking. We are back up to the numbers of that horrible early spike of about 2000 deaths a day. We even had 2300 deaths in a single day last week. And it is completely possible and plausible that these numbers are going to keep climbing due to Thanksgiving gatherings now heading into Christmas and New Year's. There are people who are just determined to live as if everything is completely normal, large indoor gatherings. It is going to be insane. Now, as I mentioned earlier, we are very close to vaccines. We are expecting at this point it is it is no longer a pipe dream. We are expecting that there will be people being vaccinated on either December 11th or December 12th, December 8 to 10. The FDA is meeting with these nonpartisan advisory boards to say, are we doing an emergency use authorization um, uh, at least for the Pfizer vaccine? And then we'll see if the Moderna vaccine, it would be discussed at that same time, or maybe that one will take a little bit longer if that is the case. Vaccines are already being transported. United Airlines flights bringing vaccines from Belgium to Chicago for further distribution. The logistics are on the move. We are this close. We could have 20 million people vaccinated by the end of December. We could have another 30 million by the end of January, another 30 to 35 million by the end of February. So what that means is that in the next three months, it's basically December by in the in December, January, February, we could potentially have 80 to 85 million people vaccinated by the last day of February. We are getting close. This is not the time to behave irresponsibly and see this absolutely almost cartoonish rise in cases. Dr. Fauci saying to Martha Raddatz over the weekend that you could see it, this looks like a surge. You could see Thanksgiving and Christmas accelerated even more to a surge upon a surge. Let's not do it. This has nothing to Trump failed. Yes, Trump failed. Trump's got days left in his presidency. Let's get this under control because we are so, so close um, and we'll keep you posted on the numbers and the data. But it is looking very, very ugly so far. So this next story, this this segment I'm going to do right now, this is the prototypical segment that I think is some of the best stuff that we do. And it does terribly in terms of audience, but it is so interesting and it is so worth doing and so informative. Let's dig right into it. I told you previously that Joe Biden will be selecting Janet Yellen as his Treasury secretary. And we talked about Janet Yellen's politics. And I pointed out there are things that should make progressives reasonably happy about the selection of Janet Yellen. There are things that might make progressives not so happy about Janet Yellen. But the big picture about Janet Yellen as Treasury secretary is that anything that Joe Biden is able to get done with the House and Senate that he ends up having, Janet Yellen is not likely to stand in the way at all, meaning that she will not be the impediment to Joe Biden getting his campaign platform done. She's a relatively good selection. She's the first woman in that position, and she's a true economic uh, 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 she, she's she's an, uh, an academic. She's an academic from the field of economics. She is also beyond that a really clever economist. And I was doing some research on her and came across an article that she published along with George Akerlof in the Quarterly Journal of Economics back in May of 1990. This is 30 years ago now. 
Okay. And she published a paper about the so-called fair wage effort hypothesis. This is not just economics. It's social psychology and it's sociology and it's brilliant and fascinating. And it just reinforces that Joe Biden is picking serious people. Donald Trump's Treasury Secretary is Steven Mnuchin, who was a hedge fund guy who lived in a hotel and drove a Porsche while he was getting his undergraduate degree and then went and worked you know, in big finance, hedge funds, etc. Janet Yellen is a Ph.D. in economics and has published scholarly articles and developed original ideas of her own. And the idea that she has developed in this fair wage effort hypothesis, this is again 30 years old, but it's talking about the rigor, academic rigor that Janet Yellen is capable of. The idea is the following. If your wage that you were paid falls short of your perception of what would be a fair wage for that job, you start to not work as hard and you're less productive. The idea of hiring someone else wouldn't work unless you can find someone who really doesn't understand how their wage relates to what would be a fair wage for the job you've hired them for. And we've actually observed this phenomenon. You will uh, uh, you often will end up seeing people with different skill levels doing the same job and getting paid the same amount. And they end up with almost identical productivity would be strange intuitively, right? I mean, you've got two people doing the same work. One is significantly more skilled in ways that are relevant to that work. But because of this pressure that Janet Yellen describes that exists where you are comparing your wage to the fair wage, even if you are more skilled and you would be able to be significantly more productive, you will produce down to the level you believe is appropriate for the wage you are being paid. Very, very interesting. There are lots of studies in terms of people having a perception of the fairness of the wage they're being paid. One such study is Lawler and O'Gara, which you can Google if you're interested in this. And they did some really simple but well controlled experiments where they would pay a set amount per task. And when they paid less for the same task, given equally qualified and skilled individuals, when you paid less productivity went down. Now, if you're interested in this, we're, we're linking actually to Janet Yellen's article in the description uh, for the YouTube video on this story. But it's really quite elegant because it directly refutes a lot of really bad right wing talking points about the minimum wage and wages in general. And I'll give you some examples of this. There's this talking point from the right where they, it's sort of like a, a reductio ad absurdum where they say, listen, if we want people to have more money and paying them more is better. Why stop at a $15 minimum wage? Why not make it $150 an hour or $1,000 an hour? Just pay people, make everybody multimillionaires. Now, intuitively, intuitively, we know that that's idiotic. And one of the reasons it doesn't make sense is that paying people $150 or $1,000 instead of just a reasonable minimum wage it would not be an equilibrium wage that makes any sense in terms of the cost of living nor relative to other professions. It doesn't make any sense. But what Janet Yellen's uh, hypothesis adds here is that paying somebody saying, well, let's set the minimum wage to 150 or 1000. It wouldn't be in line with a fair wage. If you survey people about what would be a fair wage, for traditional minimum wage work. It's not going to be one hundred and fifty dollars or a thousand dollars an hour. It'll be much closer 
to the $15 an hour that's widely now being discussed. I'll give you another right wing talking point that is implicitly de debunked by Janet Yellen's hypothesis. If you increase the minimum wage, you force businesses to lay off employees and it increases unemployment. Well, hold on a second. If Janet Yellen is right and the, the literature su suggests she is, if you pay people less, you're making them less productive, which means you either need to pay them to work longer hours or you need to hire more of them to get to the same level of productivity that costs you more as the employer as well. The other one you, you hear, which is similar, is you raise the minimum wage, you raise the price of consumer goods. Well, the same analysis applies. If you lower the wage and you make employees less productive as a result, you still need more employees or you need employees working more hours to produce your stuff. You'd theoretically still need to raise the price of the goods that you are selling. So it's quite elegant, very interesting stuff. And again, read it. It's only about eight, ten pages if you don't include all of the, the charts and, and data at the end. You could read it in 10, 15 minutes. But you will very quickly realize that we are going in the direction of having actual expert adults in positions of power upcoming. And we will have our political disagreements with them, but we should all be welcoming this after the fiasco charade that the Trump administration has been. Check out the article. Let me know your thoughts. I'm on Twitter at D Pacman. We'll take a quick break and be back after this. The David Pacman Show at DavidPacman.com. The number one funding source for The David Pacman Show has been and continues to be membership and membership is not just a feel good thing. You get access to the world famous bonus show every single day just for members, as well as commercial free audio and video feeds of the show day in and day out. You can sign up for membership very, very quickly at joinpacman.com. That's join P A K M A N dot com. If the normal prices strike you as high, by all means, use the coupon code VOTESOON18, all one word, all lowercase. Become a member today. The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. Remember that our program is mostly funded by individual memberships, one of which you can get at joinpacman.com. Coupon code Fresh Start is available for those who want it. The pardons are starting in the latest sign that no matter what Donald Trump says publicly, he knows his days as president are numbered, and Donald Trump has pardoned his former national security advisor, the convicted Michael Flynn. Now, remember that Michael Flynn pleaded guilty to lying to the FBI about contact with Russian officials. Trump announcing the pardon, of course, via Twitter just hours before Thanksgiving, saying, quote, it is my great honor to announce that General Michael T. Flynn has been granted a full pardon, no partial pardon for Michael Flynn, a full pardon. Congre congratulations to General Flynn and his wonderful family. I know you will now have a truly fantastic Thanksgiving. Remember that Donald Trump has already commuted the sentence of his former campaign aide Roger Stone. He's expected to pardon many more people between now and January 20th and on the table could be pardons for Paul Manafort, uh, George Papadopoulos. Steve Bannon has been charged but not yet convicted. 
Rudy Giuliani is under federal investigation for possibly breaking lobbying laws. There are many others. Now, on the one hand, you would be absolutely correct to say these aren't just mere presidential pardons for crimes committed that have nothing to do with the president himself. For better or worse, uh, 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 th these are not traditional or standard pardons in the sense that many of the people that uh, are potentially going to get pardons and some who did get pardons already, their crimes relate to Donald Trump's own campaign or administration, or they relate to telling lies to help Donald Trump. So you are completely right if your reaction is this is not you know, pardoning someone who's been in prison for 20 years for something you think is unfair. These are pardons related to crimes committed as part of Donald Trump's campaign transition team or administration. You would be completely right. Now, at the same time, I'm seeing people talking about, oh, Trump needs to suffer the consequences for doing this. He can't be allowed to get away with pardoning these people who, in many cases, committed crimes that were meant to help hide the possible wrongdoing of Donald Trump. My advice is don't even bother. I like I hate to be saying this, but we've got seven weeks left in this administration. There is no chance that Donald Trump will have any negative repercussions from making these pardons. My recommendation is save your energy and your focus and your sanity and get to something else because it's disgusting for me to be saying it because it's the reality in the United States. But he, he's going to get, get away with these pardons as, as corrupt as they may be. Now, there is also the story here of Donald Trump's hypocrisy. Remember when Donald Trump explained firing Michael Flynn? He also did that via Twitter, where he said back in 2017, I had to fire General Flynn because he lied to the vice president and the FBI. He has pled guilty to those lies. It is a shame because his actions during the transition were lawful. There was nothing to hide. Trump isn't pardoning Flynn, at least apparently, because he wasn't really guilty. Trump concedes that Flynn did the thing he was convicted of. Trump simply thinks it should be lawful. He's pardoning Flynn for other reasons, presuming uh, 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 that he believes Flynn kept him out of trouble to some degree. Now, if you really want to take a trip down the delusional recesses of the Internet, there were pro Trump forums that when Donald Trump pardoned Michael Flynn on Wednesday, they immediately started posting Trump pardoned Flynn because Flynn is the last puzzle piece in overturning the election results to get Donald Trump a second term. I j just unbelievable delusions taking place. And think now of the full Michael Flynn story as we understand it. During the transition, Barack Obama told Donald Trump, I would not hire uh, Michael Flynn. He's a national security risk. Trump says I'm going to hire him anyway and makes him national security advisor. Flynn lies to the FBI, was an unregistered foreign agent, lied about his contacts with Russia, etc. Trump fires him and concedes Flynn, Flynn lied. Yeah, he's, he, he did it. He's guilty. Flynn then helps Robert Mueller in his investigation, which leads to Robert Mueller recommending no jail time for Flynn. Flynn then recants the testimony on which the no jail time recommendation was made. And in comes Donald Trump and pardons Michael Flynn. It, it would be almost unbelievable 
as a screenplay for a movie about Washington, D.C. corruption. But it's real. I, I, I mean, is, is Flynn the luckiest guy in the world or is there a different way that we should be thinking about it? Absolutely unbelievable. The, the pardons will be coming and I am as uh, uh, curious as you uh, about who will be on that list. So we're starting to kind of wrap up various partial recounts and vote audits from around the country. One came in from Wisconsin and it's absolutely hilarious. In Wisconsin, the Trump campaign paid about three million dollars for a partial recount. Now, remember that in Wisconsin, the margin of victory for Joe Biden was about 20,000 votes. And the outcome of the recount was that Joe Biden gained 87 votes in total from doing this partial recount. So statistically, it changes nothing. Biden was winning before and Biden is still winning. 87 votes when the margin is 20,000 doesn't really do anything one way or the other. But consider that Donald Trump's campaign paid three million dollars for this partial recount, three million dollars to find 87 votes for Joe Biden. That's thirty four thousand dollars per vote that the Trump campaign paid. Uh, well, actually, it would be Trump's followers who donated money for the recounts. They paid thirty four thousand per vote for Joe Biden in the end. Now, of course, the Trump campaign and Trump himself already have an explanation as to why the recounts aren't helping Trump. And it becomes part of the conspiracy theory. It's almost evil genius if it weren't so stupid and predictable, which is, listen, if you recount all of the invalid votes, all of the illegal votes, all of the fraudulent votes, then of course you're going to get the same results. If they counted invalid votes once and then they recount them, you're going to get the same result, which now brings us to if they knew this, why did they pay for a recount? And there are two reasons. Number one is optics. And number two is they raised money for recounts, half of which was used to pay off Trump's campaign debt. Remember the fundraising emails that started going out right after the election saying donate to stop the count or to start it or to recount or to file up or whatever. The fine print was 50% of what you donate, 50 cents on every dollar, will go to paying off existing debt that Trump's campaign has. So you raise six million, you pay three million for the Wisconsin partial recount, and you put three million towards your campaign debt. And meanwhile, you insist I'm fighting Joe Biden's cheating by doing this. It's like the perfect final scam, actually against Donald Trump supporters. And this goes to something else that's very important. The right doesn't really seem to understand what voter fraud is, or in other words, right wingers seem to think that elections could be stolen with actual voter fraud, things like people voting twice, dead people voting, filling out fake absentee ballots and sending them in, that type of thing. So then they do a recount and the right wingers are wondering, wait a second, how it didn't change the results. The problem is that the real way you steal an election this isn't news to many of you. I know you don't steal an election with voter fraud. You steal elections with election fraud. That means gerrymandering in the first place that at the uh, at the congressional district level, removing mail sorting machines at the post offices to slow down mail delivery, 
to try to get mail in ballots to miss the postmark date when you know that it is overwhelmingly Biden voters that will vote by mail rather than Trump voters. You steal an election by organizing voter purges of registered voters using algorithms that would more likely hit Democratic voters than Republican voters. You do it by closing polling places in Democratic leaning areas and sowing misinformation about where and when you're supposed to vote in those same areas. None of that stuff shows up in a recount. Now, fortunately, all of those methods failed to steal the election from Joe Biden. But think about the entire trajectory here. Before the election, it was Trump's going to win in a landslide. You had these hot take right wing YouTubers saying Trump could get 400 electoral votes. Trump landslide inevitable, all that stuff. Biden wins. And so they say, oh, it was stolen. You have to count the votes in some places. Stop counting the votes in other places. Remember that in the 96 hours after the election, you had protests going on at the same time saying stop counting votes and start counting votes. Then they say, well, do a recount. Oh, but the recounts change nothing because they recounted the illegal votes. So then let's file lawsuits, which they do. But then when the judges actually ask Trump's lawyers, are you alleging voter fraud here in court? They say, no, we're not alleging that because they know they don't actually have evidence of that fraud. So now they are on to the recounts themselves are vote are bogus. Instead, we need audits of each vote and we need state legislatures to send Republican electors, even if the state appears to have been won by Joe Biden. That's where we are now. That's how far we've come in nearly the month since the election. This will have some trajectory to December 14th when the electors vote. And then they'll come up with something new that will get us to January 20th. What it will be, I don't yet know, but we'll continue covering it on our Instagram page at David Pakman Show. Also, follow me on Instagram for very boring pictures of my Thanksgiving. I'm David.Pakman on Instagram. The David Pakman Show at DavidPakman.com. If you're wondering, how does the David Pakman show afford to exist? The answer is mostly through memberships and Patreon. You can support the work we do by signing up for membership at joinpacman.com or pledging as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash David Pakman show. Perks include the daily bonus show, the commercial free audio and video feeds of the show, and the positive feelings that come from doing the right thing and making Hatriots cry through your support of independent progressive media. Jump in today at joinpacman.com and patreon.com slash David Pacman Show. Welcome back to the David Pacman Show. Okay, so let's get into now an interview that is like nothing I have ever seen in the United States. This is an interview in which Donald Trump, finally out of his bunker of media isolation after losing to Joe Biden, has started doing media again on Thanksgiving. He took some questions from reporters, which we will get to. But I'm starting here with his interview yesterday morning on Fox News with Maria Bartiromo. This interview is indistinguishable from a North Korean state media reporter. Maria Bartiromo went along with Donald Trump's obvious lies with the same credulity as those North Korean state media anchors when they used to report 
Oh, Kim Jong Il got a hole in one on all 18 holes. Kim Jong Un doesn't defecate, right? I mean, it's it's like that. What Maria Bartiromo does here. Trump told endless lie after lie, many of them completely corrosive to our democracy. And she went along with every single one. And then just to add insult to injury, or maybe better said to add a cartoonish element to this, Donald Trump insisted multiple times that it was massive dumps that led him to lose the election, which is just like on another level altogether from from the standpoint of comedy. So let's get right into it because we do have so much to get to. Uh, check this out. Combining here the sir routine with this new massive dumps meme. And what happened if you watched the election, I was called by the biggest people uh, saying congratulations, political people. Congratulations, sir. You just won the election. It was 10 o'clock and you looked at the numbers and I'm sure you felt that way. This election was over and then they did dumps. They call them dumps, big, massive dumps uh, in Michigan and Pennsylvania. <laughs> it's it's just beyond parody. I mean, massive dumps cost them the election. Huge dumps were happening all over the country as the results were coming in. What is going on here? We are a laughing stock. And in this in this next clip, Donald Trump pushes completely baseless voter fraud conspiracies. And if you're watching, uh, pay special attention to the looks on Maria Bartiromo's face. She's acting like when Trump says maybe the FBI was involved, she reacts as if, wow, the FBI is really involved in this. This is total fraud. And how the FBI and Department of Justice, I don't know, maybe they're involved. But how people are allowed to get away from this stuff with this stuff is unbelievable. This election was rigged. This election was a total fraud. And it continues to be as they hide. And the problem we have, we go to judges and people don't want to get involved. What Trump means there by we go to judges and they don't want to get involved, what he means is judges look at our so-called evidence and find it completely lacking in merit. That's actually what's going on. Here is Trump just straight up saying the popular vote numbers are wrong. Ballot boxes and they use covid as a means to stuff the ballot boxes. Joe Biden did not get 16 million more votes than Barack Hussein Obama. He didn't get it. Joe Biden did not get 14 million more votes than Hillary Clinton. And by the way, he didn't beat Obama in the black uh, communities. You go to some of these communities where Obama is very, very popular and he beats them in some of these communities, but all throughout the rest of the United States in a black community, he does he does actually poorly. He doesn't do very well. This one should not surprise any of us. Remember that Donald Trump still hasn't accepted the results of the popular vote from 2016. That was an election that made Trump president. And so, as we've been saying for months, obviously Trump was never going to accept the 2020 popular vote results, and he's not. And then Maria Bartiromo goes full propaganda actor. She says, listen, if you don't consider the electoral votes of the contested swing states, you win, Mr. President. A critical part of this story, Mr. President. But if you take out the contested swing states electoral votes, uh, you're back down to 
President Trump having 232 electoral votes and Joe Biden having 227. That is if you strip out the six states with the legal challenges. So That's is right. the thinking here that because of the various ballot issues that the Supreme Court will rule that the vote is tainted? And that will mean that they have to take votes away from Biden and not certify? Is that the thinking? And secondly, what's your timing on this, Mr. President? Because okay. we've got some notable election dates here that I want to ask you. This reminds me of the old Internet viral phrase. If my grandmother had wheels instead of legs, she would be a bicycle. The point is, that's not the situation. Swing states are part of the country. Swing states have not been shown to have had fraudulent results. The swing states merely count like any others. You don't get to not count them because the results are inconvenient. And Maria Bartiromo really outdoing herself here. And um, Trump then goes on completely delusionally to talk about assertions of hundreds of thousands of votes that are just fraud and anything to not admit he simply lost the election and quite decisively. But we actually have thousands of votes, in some cases, hundreds of thousands of votes, more than we need in every swing state that we're talking about. So then here comes in Maria Bartiromo uh, on a bizarre rant, and she says, this is all disgusting, Mr. President. This is disgusting, and we cannot allow America's election to be corrupted. We cannot. So you believe you can prove that the computers can circumvent any controls that are in place. And before we leave the subject of Durham, not only is Maria making no sense, why is she screaming the entire interview? It's really bizarre. And this finally starts to wind down. And Maria Bartiromo's interview ends with Trump saying it's statistically impossible what happened. And Maria Bartiromo responds by saying, it's all quite extraordinary, Mr. President. They say it's statistically impossible. I led the charge. We won state houses. We won Congress. We won the Senate. And I lost. They say it's statistically impossible for that to happen. It's, it's all quite extraordinary, Mr. President. We want to thank you so much for joining me today and thank you for your work. Yes, all quite extraordinary. Telling obvious lies, which is what not only what Trump is doing, but what Maria does. This is now right wing virtue signaling. They decry so-called virtue signaling on the left to signal that you're part of what I would call right think, meaning in it, right has two meanings, correct and right wing. You have to keep telling lies that most people now recognize as lies. And this is not only corrosive to democracy, it's a global embarrassment. And we're going to deal with that uh, embarrassment piece on the Friday show this week. It is a complete and total global shame that is taking place here. And unfortunately, this was not the only such event over the holiday weekend. We now have to get to how it went down when Donald Trump took questions from reporters on Thanksgiving Day for the first time since the election. So we're working backwards now. Now we're back to Thanksgiving Thursday and Donald Trump finally took questions from reporters sort of technically, although he didn't actually answer a single question in a real way. He did attack a reporter and we're going to look at that in a moment. Trump didn't even hesitate to come out and tell the lies 
that his flunkies and tools and cronies and lawyers have been telling for weeks about this election. Now, I know that some of these clips have blue flashes and some audio glitches. They are not our glitches. The master video we got of the event for some reason contains some of these glitches. Take a listen to this first clip. And I'm serious. If the media were honest and if big tech were honest, which is totally not, it's it's a terrible thing. That whole section 230 is a disgrace that they even have it. But big tech is totally dishonest. If the media were honest and big tech was fair, this wouldn't even be a contest. Uh, and I would have won by a tremendous amount, a tremendous amount. And I did win by a tremendous amount, but it hasn't been reported yet. But people understand what's happened. They know what happened. Yes. Now, of course, Donald Trump did not win by any amount, never mind a tremendous one. But he continues to say it. And then he starts getting asked really specific questions like, will you go to Joe Biden's inauguration and check out how he handles it? Of course, it is tradition. Say for, it. You know that it's tradition for previous presidents to go to the next president's inauguration. So will you attend Joe I Biden's? I don't want to say that yet. But he is I mean, I know the answer. I, I'll be honest. I know the answer, is but I just yes? don't want to say it yet. Look, a thing like this possibly has never happened before, but maybe people just didn't catch it. But we've caught it. But why we've your caught attorneys we've caught hundreds of thousands of us. If I may, listen, Mr. Listen, excuse me, excuse me. If I may, when they don't allow a poll watcher, which is a sacred person in our country, people don't know what a poll watcher is. A poll watcher is it's considered sacred in our country. When they throw them out of rooms, but that's not true. They didn't do sure that. Sure it is. You're, you're, and when they put them in pens, your attorneys admitted they were me. in the room. No, they didn't. My attorneys did not admit anything. This is uh, this is really stuff for history books. Will you go to the inauguration? Well, listen, I won. We caught them. The poll watchers were in pens and they've used the term corralled before, you know, giving this idea that poll watchers were corralled along with wild hogs and steer eating cereal and grain from a trough. Uh, Trump then casually saying they gave Biden lots of votes that weren't really Biden votes. Still not a shred. I mean, not an iota of evidence for that claim. They gave Biden a lot of votes that he would never have gotten. Uh, this is not a candidate that could get a 80, 80 million votes. This is just not a candidate. This is not a candidate that beat Barack Hussein Obama with the black voter. Okay, this is not a candidate that beat Obama with the black voter. This is not a candidate that beat Hillary Clinton to a pulp. It just doesn't work that way. Remember that all of those claims are spurious and without evidence, and every court has found that to be the case so far. Trump was then asked, despite your claims that it was rigged and stolen by Joe Biden, if the Electoral College votes for Joe Biden, will you step down and concede? And this caused Trump to blow a gasket and attack the reporter. Just to be clear, if the Electoral College votes for Joe Biden, will you concede? Well, if they do, they made a mistake because this election was a fraud. Just so you understand, this election was a fraud. I mean, they have Biden beating Obama on Obama's vote in areas that mattered in terms of the election in swing states. And yet he's losing to Obama all over the place. But he's beating Obama in swing states, which are the states that mattered for purposes of the election. So, no, I can't say that at all. I think it's a it's a possibility. They're trying to look. 
between you people. Don't answer, don't talk to me that way. You're just a you're just a lightweight. Don't talk to me that way. Don't talk to I'm the president of the United States. Don't ever talk to the president that way. This is actually very interesting because people who are respected and are respectable, they never in a million years have to tell anybody respect me saying respect me is something you hear from people who are difficult to respect, who aren't commanding respect through their actions. And Trump says, respect me now. Another sign of just this sort of shrunken down uh, intellectual smurf that that is Donald Trump. Uh, Trump then, of course, saying that, listen, he doesn't believe the Georgia elections are going to be fairly done. And if this leads to Republicans simply not showing up in, in the Georgia Senate races, that would be great. Take a listen. Mr. President, if you don't think that the presidential election was legitimate, and if you think that it was stolen, what confidence do you expect voters in Georgia to have when they go to the polls to vote for, say, Leffler or Purdue? Well, I told them today, I think you're dealing in a very fraudulent system. I think uh, I'm very worried about that. Uh, they are tremendous people. Kelly Leffler, David Perdue are tremendous people. They should be in the United States Senate. They're desperately needed. But I told them today, I said, listen, you have a fraudulent system. You have a system where the flick of a switch or the putting in of a new chip can change the course of history. And you have to be very careful. And, and again, the funny thing about this is there is actually a Republican movement to boycott the runoff elections in Georgia. Oh, great. Have at it. That would help Democrats take the Senate. I encourage Republicans if they really do believe this system is fraudulent, then just don't participate. Leave the voting uh, to those that will be voting for Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff. I would I would be glad to see that. Trump also believes that Pennsylvania state senators are going to overturn the election, and he falsely claims that he actually won Georgia very easily. In Philadelphia, you take a look. We've had excellent meetings with uh, senators from Pennsylvania, Republican senators and others. Uh, and they're seeing things. They knew it was dishonest, but they didn't know it was this dishonest. No, and you'll see it all. You'll see it all. So we'll see. Uh, speaking of uh, George, I'll be going there. Uh, I spoke with uh, the two great senators. They're great senators, Kelly and David. Uh, I'll probably be going on Saturday. We're looking for a site. We're going to have a tremendous turnout. And we seem to always have a good turnout. Uh, the people are very disappointed that uh, we were robbed. Listen, uh, Republicans in Pennsylvania are telling Trump he won, so he must have won. And Trump mentioning a rally in Georgia there. He said Saturday. People thought it meant this past Saturday. I guess it's going to be this coming Saturday, December uh, 5th, I guess that is. We will certainly cover it live if it happens. And then just a final moment of insanity, Trump claiming that all of the election results in Georgia, Michigan, Wisconsin and Pennsylvania were fraud in a completely deranged outburst. Signatures. The reason they don't want to show us signatures is very simple, uh, because uh, we will find thousands and thousands a very close race. It's hair thin, uh, but we'll find thousands and thousands of discrepancies, uh, fraud, uh, why they aren't wanting to show those signatures is amazing. Uh, they're doing recounts and even in the recount, they found thousands of votes that were off. But now we want to look at the signatures and you will find tens of thousands of false ballots, forged, forged uh, ballots. You'll see it all over. You're going to see a lot of it. 
And uh, you go to Pennsylvania, you saw the meeting we had yesterday with Pennsylvania. Uh, you saw people come up, and they went to vote, and they said, no, you can't vote. Somebody else already sent in a ballot and a woman. But this is happening tens of thousands of times. I think it was 600 and some odd thousand, 687,000 uh, fraudulent votes cast in Pennsylvania. And I will tell you, the, uh, if you look at the State House now, the Republican State House, they're starting to see what's going on there. But they've really known it for a long time. Then you go to Michigan, and you look at what happened in Wayne County in Detroit. I went through a list. So Trump just goes on and on claiming that he really won everything. There was a woman and there was a guy and some irregularities. Biden didn't really win is the takeaway. And this is the deranged stuff that you know, you would hope would never happen in the United States, like as toxic as American politics is, you wouldn't expect that it would get this bad, except this time we did expect it and we were right to all of those Republican hot takes saying you guys are going overboard. Trump's never going to do any of this. He's doing all of it. He's never conceded. He's claiming he's won six or more states that he lost. He won't commit to going to the inauguration. He won't stop filing lawsuit after lawsuit to try to steal it. Our most catastrophic predictions all came true incredibly. Now the question is, what will he do in the remaining time up until January 20th? What a time to be alive, my friends. The David Pakman Show at DavidPakman.com. Did you know the David Pakman show is on all sorts of different platforms? Find us on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash the David Pakman show and on Steemit, the blockchain based publishing platform at steemit.com slash at David Pakman. That's S T double E M I T dot com forward slash at David Pakman. The David Pakman show at David So in addition to Chris Wallace and Neil Cavuto, we've seen Fox News host Eric Sean sort of start to play the role of a so-called truth teller on Fox News. And I always have to issue caveats by truth teller on Fox News. I merely mean he acknowledges that Donald Trump lost the election. That it's a very low standard. And Chris Wallace and Neil Cavuto have been willing to say that Eric Sean also is willing to say Joe Biden won. And on Fox News, this is sort of a controversial truth to be told when half the network still refuses to say it. And in a little bit, we're going to talk about how Fox News has radicalized its viewers to the point that they are now too radical for Fox. But part of what's going on is that some people are trying to acknowledge basic truths on Fox and they're getting crushed. And anchor Shep Smith was one of those people on Fox, but he left now on CNBC. And maybe Eric Sean is the guy taking Shep's place to some degree. Check this out. Uh, Eric Sean fact checking some of Donald Trump's obvious lies that Trump told on the same network just hours earlier in his interview with Maria Bartiromo, the complete brown nosing Trump sycophant. We played clips from the Maria Bartiromo interview earlier. Here is Eric Sean starting to pick it apart. This election was a total fraud. And it continues to be as they hide. And the problem we have, we go to judges and people don't want to get involved. 
That is, of course, President Trump claiming massive voter fraud this morning. His words, they stuffed the ballot box. It was a, quote, fake election. All this despite the fact that his campaign has failed to prove any of this in court. In fact, your government, election officials, experts, and others, many of them Republican, including Trump-appointed officials, say that the president's claims are false and unsubstantiated. He does, though, promise to reveal the alleged fraud in court, including a slew of affidavits from people who say they did witness election wrongdoing. But legal experts note affidavits are not necessarily fact. I like this because in just 30 seconds, he puts the entire case up front to the Fox News audience. He's making claims for which there is no evidence. Affidavits aren't necessarily fact. And we really have to keep talking about that. Sworn affidavits are a form of evidence that is sometimes admissible and sometimes not. And it is up to a judge and jury to determine whether it is credible when a when an eyewitness testifies in person in a trial because they testified. That doesn't mean you necessarily believe everything they say. You may find their testimony credible or not or, or not credible, or you might find it accurate, but irrelevant to the crux of what is being discussed. Much the same way these sworn affidavits, people could be lying or not. People could be telling the truth as they remember it and be wrong, or they may be telling the truth and be right. And those truths might not really mean anything about whether Joe Biden actually won some of these states. And affidavits are just like anything else in terms of evidence. Then Eric Sean hilariously wants to talk about these supposed <laughs> massive <laughs> dumps that Donald Trump mentioned. Take a look. Let's break down to some of what the president claimed this morning. He says there were massive dumps of illegal votes in, in Biden's favor, specifically pointing out Detroit. Here's the president. You just take a look at just about every state that we're talking about, every swing state that we're talking about. And they did these massive dumps of votes. And all of a sudden, I went from winning by a lot to losing by a little. Well, officials say these are not illegal dumps. That's just the counting of the many mail-in ballots that are entered into the computer system. Are these illegal yeah. votes? Is that a, a proof of massive voter fraud? Well, there's no evidence to substantiate that. Uh, and when you talk to Republicans in these states or on these election boards, very few of them are uh, substantiating that at all. The problem here is that I don't know if the average Fox News viewer understands the meaning of this language, because when the Axios reporter says there's no evidence to substantiate that, what it means is it's a claim without evidence whatsoever. There's an invisible purple elephant right here next to me. You just can't see them because they're invisible. Well, there's no evidence to substantiate that. What that means is it's a claim I've made and there is no reason whatsoever to believe it. That's what it means. I don't know that that really works for the Fox News audience. Rand Paul actually is one of the people who jumped on this massive dump story. He treated, quote, interesting Trump margin of defeat in four states occurred in four data dumps between 134 and 631 a.m. Statistical anomaly, anomaly, fraud. Look at the evidence and decide for yourself. So what Rand Paul means is during a five hour period on election night, votes were being counted. He's acting like at the 36 second past 541 a.m. mark, 
all the votes came in flipping eight states from Trump to Biden. It's like, no, it was election night. Many states aren't even allowed to count mail in ballots until polls close. Thanks mostly to Republicans. And so overnight during a five hour period, votes came in from various states and results were updated to reflect that they're making a controversy where none exists. Let's look at a little more of Eric Sean's kind of pulling apart of Trump's lies. Yeah, they picked up seats in the House. Uh, the president says thousands of dead people voted. Here's that. I don't, there are a lot of dead people that so-called voted in this election, but dead people were in some cases, in many, many cases, thousands of cases voted. Officials point out that does happen sometimes, either clerical errors or maybe a husband or wife votes in the name of, uh, of someone who's deceased. That's a felony. Was that enough to change this election? Statistically, likely not. When you just look at the number of deaths that have been out there that, you know, and you transpose that onto the universe of ballots. So another talking point debunked dead people voting. And then finally here, Eric Sean pointing out what this is really all about. Uh, finally, Hans, it seems that we have a president who he can't wrap his brain or mind around the fact he can't process the fact that someone who he thinks is so inferior to him uh, won the election. Maybe or maybe he's just establishing a predicate for running in 2024. So, you know, I, I like, you know, I don't know what the president's overall long term strategic plan is here, if there is a plan or even if it's strategic. But uh, we know, at least rhetorically, he's not accepting it and he's clearly laying the predicate for a run in 2024. As Eric Sean points out, Trump cannot wrap his mind around the idea that he lost to someone that he considered was very much inferior to him. So two things here. First of all, the takeaways, the only takeaway you need factually about the allegations is there's no evidence for the things that Trump claims in public in the court filings. The things Trump claims they don't put in the court filings because the lawyers know they're not true. In terms of Fox News, what's going on here is that they have radicalized their audience to be too radical even for Fox News. And that's what I want to talk about next. We did a segment last week before Thanksgiving might have been the week before um, about how Fox News has been so effective at radicalizing their own viewers that Fox News viewers are now turning on Fox because Fox isn't radical enough. And the context was election results. As you saw, there are some Fox anchors, Chris Wallace, Neil Cavuto, Eric Sean. They acknowledge that Joe Biden won the election and you saw furious Trump supporters abandon Fox along with Trump himself, promoting even more radical and farcical news sources, OAN and Newsmax. And our friend Molly Jong Fast wrote a piece about this in The Daily Beast. It's worth checking out. It's called Fox News is no longer insane enough for Fox viewers. And she writes, they built a huge outrage machine. Then some of them tried to be real news people for five minutes. And now the outrage machine is outraged at them. This is the irony. I think the phrase that applies is if you fly too close to the sun, you will get burned or something like that. They created this. They told their audience you can't trust the media when they say things that don't sound right about right wingers. And you've got to be outraged when you were told those things. And now their viewers are seeing Fox sometimes report accurately that Joe Biden won. And so they're furious with Fox and they don't trust Fox and they're looking for something else. They were chanting Fox News sucks at various protests over 
the election results in the days after the November 3rd election. And Molly writes in this article, quote, but the problem is that Fox had built an audience that had gotten more and more radicalized with each passing year by Fox's content. So by election night, when Fox anchors suddenly wanted to play things straight, it created a phenomenon whereby Fox News was unable to keep up with the conservative outrage generated by Fox News. And this is exactly right. And part of it is that you still have on Fox News itself people promoting and supporting Trump's voter fraud theories. This is part of the radicalization. Fox's opinion people have radicalized their viewers against anyone telling them Trump lost. It just so happens there are also people on Fox News telling them that Trump lost. We looked at clips earlier from Maria Bartiromo, indistinguishable from a North Korean state media anchor reporting news about Kim Jong Un. And at the same time, we have Eric Sean saying, oh, well, Biden won and there's no evidence of the fraud Trump claims exist. So this is where we start wondering about the future of Fox. You might see a fracturing of the agenda setters in right wing media where Fox News sets the agenda maybe for what we'd call more traditional reactionary ideas. And then the stuff of the last few weeks, the QAnon stuff, the types protesting elections, they maybe fracture off to OAN or Newsmax. It may all change after January 20th when Joe Biden is elected. It all remains to be seen. But the important takeaway here is Fox itself is to blame for this, at least in part. They created a safe space for fact free, baseless nonsense for years, which they attempted to present as news. This is the bed that they have made, and maybe they will suffer financially from it. I don't know, but it will be very interesting to see what the right wing media landscape looks in, for example, six months, a few months into Joe Biden's presidency. Once vaccines have been rolled out for coronavirus, where will the conspiracies lie? What will Fox look like? What will OAN and Newsmax look like? We can only wait and see. We have a voicemail number. That number is 2192 David P. Uh, we're getting a lot of uh, of calls like this. People convinced Trump not only won, but he will get four more years. Take a listen. Donald Trump done won this election, you damn sore boy liberal. There was fraud, man. It's so obvious, man. You demon rats lost. There's going to be four more years of Trump, boy. MAGA. Yeah. Now, for people thinking that can't possibly be real, that's clearly, you know, someone from uh, Massachusetts joking with you. Uh, that's a it's a caller. We know the um, number they call from is a legitimate West Virginia number. And we are seeing these posts everywhere. We're seeing them on YouTube. We're seeing them on live streams. People continuing to post MAGA 2020 Trump 2020 Trump lost. What on earth are you talking? It's it's over. I mean, there, there's no the, the thing we're moving on. Joe Biden is uh, uh, he, he's almost fully staffed up at this point in time. These people are going to be around for a while. I believe they will be with us for some time. We will talk on the bonus show today about the Supreme Court decision about limiting attendance at houses of worship due to the virus. We will talk about vegans at higher risk for bone fractures. Producer Pat will weigh in on this explosive new veganism story. And we'll also talk about the plan to reduce massive wildfires. All of those stories and more on today's bonus show. Sign up at joinpacman.com. I will see you then.